Hey everybody, welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. Today I have the privilege of having Travis Watts on the show. Travis, say hello to everybody. Hey Shanna, thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. So to give you guys a little bit of an update, Travis started his, his uh, soiree into multifamily and single family back in 2009. Uh, he's now uh, the Director of Investment Relations at Ashcroft Capital. He's been involved in over 28 syndications as a passive investor. So Travis comes to us with a lot of experience, guys, and I really want you guys to, to kind of Listen to Travis's story a little bit. I want him to tell us how he went from, I mean, 2009, we all know what was happening, Travis. That was not a great time in real estate. Why is that when you got started? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I either hear one of two things when people reach out to me. Either A, they say, 2009, what a great time to get started. And I'm thinking, was it? Because it really wasn't. And then number two, to your point. So, you know, for those that remember, we are still kind of in a decline as an economy in many ways. Um, I knew I wanted to get involved with real estate. I didn't know when. And the fact was, I'm sitting there in 09 with some liquidity and I'm looking at the first home I bought which previously sold for about $165,000 and it was currently listed at 95. And I thought, well, you know, maybe we're at the bottom, maybe we're still falling, maybe, 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 but at the end of the day, that's a pretty good discount. So I just took the first step, you know, they had a government stimulus for first time home buyers. I took advantage of that. And that's just really where I got my start in, in 09 as an owner occupant, I did the house, <clears throat> excuse me, the house hacking thing. I did the fix and flips later, vacation rentals. I did all these hands-on active strategies in the single family space uh, through 2015, at which point I realized, hey, <laughs> this is taking a lot of my time commitment. Uh, I don't know how on earth I'm going to scale for, you know, the, the amount of homes I had at the time to say 50 or 100. That was kind of my, you know, loose goal, I guess you could say say all in all. And I didn't see how that was ever going to happen. So I made a pivot into passive investing in, in 2015 and 16. You know, it's funny, Travis, uh, it, uh, we can thank millennials for a lot of things uh, like house hacking. You know, when I was, when I was in college, house hacking was, you were just broke and you needed some roommates, right? I mean, <laughs> right. And then pivot, pivot is, is a new one. Oh, and then I pivoted into this instead of, uh, I just, change direction or, you know, in the eighties, we called it reinventing yourself in the nineties, really, you know, I reinvented myself. Yeah. I, now yeah. we pivot and we house hack. So, uh, <laughs> you know, guys, it, it, it really is funny to how many investors I find and how many real estate people I find that accidentally got into this. I mean, Travis, your story is that, right? You bought it, you saw a house that you could own for half price and you got into it and then you saw how you could make money at it. And so it wasn't that you took down this first house thinking real estate's my game. It just, <laughs> it evolved into it, which is what happens to a lot of us in the, in the business um, that, that really is, is kind of the, the American story, right? I mean, here you are, you started out with just a single family home, the American dream, but you've grown it into so much more than that. What is it you find yourself doing now with your investment strategy versus, you know, your, your early days? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, to your point, when I got started, I really didn't have clear defined goals. Uh, I was kind of gaining traction and momentum. It was kind of a slow start. You know, before I even bought that house, it was really reading a book. I had read, uh, it was actually Rich Dad Prophecy, not Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
And that was just like an anti-stock market type of book. So right. I thought, well, maybe right. I don't want to do that game. And so I got into real estate instead. And, you know, it was from the house hacking. And it was from converting that to a buy and hold. It was the market starting to come back. It was all these things that started giving me a little momentum and a little more encouragement to what if I did it again? Or what if I did it, but, but in this way and not in that way? And, you know, then I learn about a new strategy, like a vacation rentals. It's like, wow, you know, there's more potential there. Let me try that. But what changed is, uh, so by the way, I left this part out of my story. I was working in the oil industry. So I had 14 hour days, 98 hours per week. So I was heavily concentrated on a career at the same time I'm doing all this stuff. So naturally you can imagine how much free time I had and how yeah, stressed lots. I was. Lots of free time. <laughs> lots, lots of free you time. You wrote a book during that time too, didn't you, Travis? <laughs> I, I did, man. I was just all about just, just real estate. I, it was crazy. It was just a crazy time. So anyway, uh, what, it, what it came down to was, hey, I love real estate. I really do. I love the tax advantages. I love cash right. flow. I love so many things about real estate. However, I don't like managing tenants and I don't like being hands-on and I don't like taking my spare time that I didn't have to go drive neighborhoods, find properties, you know, work with all these realtors. It's a lot of freaking work yeah. uh, for anyone that's got more than, than a few uh, rentals. So I had to find a way to be passive. Um, what I had learned about uh, through, you know, expanding my network, finding mentors, joining real estate groups, listening to more podcasts was the syndication space. The fact that you could be a hands-off passive investor and let someone else do the heavy lifting and that has the track record, the experience that does enjoy doing what they do and they're passionate about it. Meanwhile, I get to just kind of piggyback off that success. Right. And uh, that's the model that's worked for me. And so today I'm 100% I'm passive. Uh, you know, nearly 30 syndication deals as a limited partner. I don't do anything active. I have no intention of doing my own deals or raising my own capital, stuff like that. Um, just enjoy the, the, the journey of being passive. That's really what it comes down to. A well, lot of people you know, in that boat. One of the things that I've, that I've seen as I've, as I've gotten into the syndication world, mm -hmm. it's really amazing the team effort that it is. I mean, Mm -hmm. To me, it's surprising. And I, and I think it's because nobody's, you know, if, if we were, if we functioned like a REIT, everybody mm -hmm. would work for us and we would do 100% of our own deals. We wouldn't involve anybody else. We would have 100% of the profits, 100% of the liability. We would have, nobody else would be helping or, you know, that we wouldn't have a general partner that would consist of a developer and a builder. And, you know, you wouldn't have all of those, an underwriting team, but I've noticed that in the syndication space that you have everybody willing to share because mm -hmm. everybody's realizing that I can take down one or in your case, 25 or 30, but after that I need help and we can partner in that sense without having to be, you know, connected at the hip for now and for always for just this period of time for just this deal. And I can bring my expertise and you can bring yours. Is that mm -hmm. been your experience too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, real estate is, is a team sport. Even if you are in the single family space, there's a lot of key players that you have to work with in order right. to make things happen. And absolutely in the syndication space, hundred yeah. percent. Yep. So, so now you're, I mean, I, I, I think it's, 
interesting because I see a lot of people also, they kind of struggle with what, what do they want to be when they grow up in, in mm-hmm. real estate syndication, right? And so mm-hmm. they think they want to, you know, I hear everybody uh, on my job sites, the, the, the plumber's talking about the electrician's the one that makes all the money and the electrician swears up and down. No, no, it's the framer. The framer is the one that makes all the money. And, you know, no, it's not that. The excavation guy, he is killing it, right? And right. the reality is that understanding what you want to be in that space and understanding that, hey, you know, I might be able to do better if I was the GP, but I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't want to be a GP. I'm very happy yeah. being a passive investor. And yeah. I see a lot of people yeah. not understanding that you can have that if you're willing to do the work, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of work involved yeah. uh, that a lot of people don't recognize is really there. Oh, 100%, 100%. And it does take a lot of self-reflection and internalizing. And that's a big process I had to go through. Like true story is the first flip I was doing I didn't even have an electric drill. <laughs> like, right. like that's where right. I was at in yeah. my skill set. Is yeah. like, you know, I'm I'm not a handyman. I'm not, I no. don't know what I'm so I'm so I'm sitting here having to contract every single piece out. And at the end of the day, what are you left with on a profit? In my case, it wasn't much more, if any, that I could do in a in a hands-off syndication. So that's right. why that model made so much sense for me. Yeah. doesn't mean it's for everyone. Well, yeah. and that's the same way I am. You know, I mean, I, when, when my wife has a honeydew project, she knows that there's two things that she needs to do if she wants me to do it. One is a block out the rest of my day and two is call my doctor because I'm going to need to see him <laughs> for something, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that's understanding. And I use the term stay in your swim lane all the time because when people don't, that's when they become disillusioned with the world of syndication. Well, you know, I'm in it, we're five years deep into this thing and I'd really like to get out. That's not quite how this works, you know. Yeah. Um, gosh, I thought there was going to be, I was going to have more say in it. As a limited partner, you don't, you know. So, yeah. but what is, it, it sounds like, Travis, you're pretty much self-taught. Like you, you read some books, you, and you know, it's funny because you hear a lot of people say, just shut up and do one, do a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, just do something. Don't just sit there and analyze, paralysis right? Yeah. Do something, mm-hmm. get it going. Was that kind of your experience and, and what have you learned and what have you grown out of that? Yeah, 2015 was my biggest year for self-education. So one, I made a deal with myself. I was going to read 52 books that year. So one book per week. And they were all just how-to types of real estate books, all kinds of stuff. The, it, that was good and bad. It was good because it was hugely eye-opening. I learned a ton. It was bad because that whole year, I really wasn't taking a lot of action. (laughs) And so it is that combination of what I wish I would have done instead is maybe read a book a month, let's say, and then implement something out of it, right? Let's try it out and and let's test what I just learned. I think that would have been far more effective. But uh, regardless, it it does take some self-education and a mix of trial and error to an extent. Well, and you know, it sounds like you got in there and got started. So yeah. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So six years in, you decided to start reading a book a week. Yeah, yeah. It was all, I mean, I was already reading leading up to that, but not nearly at that pace. You right, know, but you had a lot of hands-on experience that you could then <clears throat> read to further define your thought process on the subject because you weren't, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people, they read until they, they could tell you everything they need to know (laughs) with no practical experience, right? Much like uh, a lot of people that I, that I find in the engineering field, 
You know, mm-hmm. they can structurally design something that you can't build. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just they don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so Travis, what is the biggest thing you've learned in your real estate career? I mean, the one thing that you you wish you'd have known earlier that has mm-hmm. has done the most for you. What what is that one thing? I think if you don't get clear on your goals and who you are and what your strengths are, I, I think it has to start that way. Realistically, if you don't you're going to spend so many years just going around in circles like I did, you know, try this and do that and experiment over here. And it, but, but at the end of the day, I probably shouldn't have been doing any of that stuff because none of that really fit me as an individual. Um, so, you know, education, I, I'm a huge fan of like Tony Robbins, mindset, mm-hmm. goal setting, all this right. kind of stuff yeah. has made honestly the biggest impact, just the willingness to continue your education, to right. not stop at your graduation date and say, yeah, yeah, I, I know it all, right? I have a bachelor's or yeah. <laughs> whatever it may yeah. be. Well, and, and mindset's so important. I mean, how many times uh, in your real estate career did you, did you swear, you know, this is the hardest thing I've ever done and want to quit? Yeah, that's the other thing too, is kind of finding your why and your purpose. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a strong why or a purpose, then you're right. The first time you go do a flip and you lose 30 grand, you're going to go, this isn't for, this is stupid. I'm done. And yeah. you know, what, what a waste, right? Yeah. But people have no problem signing up for college at $40,000 a year. Right. It's, so, it's you know, I, I always, I, I always uh, walk away from projects because there, I mean, everybody that's been in the business knows you don't win every single time. And, uh, yeah. you know, even in the major leagues, you don't, you, every time at bat, you're not knocking it out of the park. But I always use the phrase, you know, that was an expensive college class, but I'm glad I learned it. And then looking mm-hmm. back on it, make sure that you implement that in the future. What was it you took away from that, that mm-hmm. is going to allow you to be better in the future? Right. So Travis, when you're looking at syndications and you're looking at the future and you're looking at, you know, uh, June 5th forward, Mm -hmm. 2020, what is your, what is your thought process moving into the, the, the second half of this year and, and, and on into 21? Yeah, good question. For the last 12 to 18 months, um, Personally, I've been kind of foreseeing that we may be having a recession around the corner kind of thing. So I've been hyper focused on, you know, being extra diligent on the deals that I'm doing and whatnot. That still obviously applies today. Things have slowed down tremendously in a lot of sectors in in the syndication space. Um, You just have to be doing, you know, extra due diligence. You have to be partnering with the right people, understanding your whys, your criteria, not making exceptions like, well, this is the only deal available right now. I'll just go ahead and park right. capital because it's in the bank. You know, what else is going to make 1% in the bank or do this deal? Well, that deal could lose you money. So don't, right. you know, just right. be patient. Yeah. Be patient. Well, and, you know, we hear that all the time. How many people have done a 1031 because that was the only thing that there was to uh, do? Well, the other thing you could have done, you could have paid the taxes. Yeah, you could have had right. tax-free capital after that. Um, but, you know, when you're... Travis, when you're looking at a syndication today, are you looking at it any differently than you did seven months ago? That's a good question. Not really. Um, I mean, numbers have to make sense, break even occupancy. Uh, just, you know, I do a lot of value add, you know, stabilized asset type investing. So the game hasn't changed a lot there. Um, I, I do about 80% that, by the way, I do 20% experimental. So I'm not opposed to any other type of asset class or investment out there. If I know enough to, you know, feel confident with it, you know, I'll at least test the waters with it. So 
but no, nothing's really changed in that regard. Uh, I'm just trying to be as aware as possible, you know, about what's happening right now and where we, we might be headed, you know, as a economy and whatnot, but hard to predict that stuff. That's something that I hear from a lot of experienced real estate entrepreneurs is that nothing's changed. You know, we've been, we've been since 2009 investing like COVID or a recession or uh, something else is right around the corner because, you know, 2008 and nine was a serious learning experience. Uh, you know, that was a four year degree rolled up in one year, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're looking at a syndication, what is the most important thing for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the the team, the mistake that I made early on when I first started syndications was I put way too much emphasis on the deal itself and the pro forma. And I was just taking it for face value. Wow, these look pretty good. You know, this is a great deal. Here's my money. Without factoring, who is this team? What's their track record? What's their experience? Is this kind of their niche and their specialty? What's their reputation? So now I bet the team uh, a lot heavier up front. And I'm just making sure this is a very realistic plan that I feel very confidently they're going to be able to execute on and that there's not going to be a lot of what ifs and scenarios or it's our first time trying this out or things like that. So for me, it's, it's the team. You mean that people actually put numbers on paper that don't work? <laughs> <laughs> They're all uh, projections. That's, that's right. a, that's a exactly. hard lesson learned, right? It's anyone's yeah. best guess. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you're, when you, the more experienced you get, you know, it allows you to see what might not quite be real. You know, yeah, yeah. you can, you can, you can go through a pro forma in about five minutes and know a lot more than you could, uh, 27 deals ago in four hours, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like everybody's first time to Vegas, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and you can spot those people, by the way, in Vegas that have been there for the first time. They're, they're usually looking pretty rough after the first day, but, but, uh, <laughs> Travis, what do you think? What do you think is your biggest character uh, trait that you use the most in your investment experience? Uh, my own character trait. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, give Give me an example. Well, see, so for, I can better for answer. me, for me, it's yeah. decisiveness. Right, I can see a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can look at some basic parameters and I can decide in 24 hours if that's a deal I want to do. And then I head out and I round up capital. I head for the building department. I head for the zoning department. I do the things that I know to do because it, it generally fits. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so for me, and, and then that decisiveness doesn't allow me to let go of that deal. Mm-hmm. So, True. You know, that's just, I mean, I see people that have character traits that back up. You like to be a passive investor. Is there Mm -hmm. a character trait that, that helps you to understand that and to be that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I've learned a lot just through self-awareness, right? So I'm the kind of person that personally doesn't have an issue with relinquishing control to somebody I feel could do it better than myself. I know a lot of people, the opposite, right? They have right. to make the decision. They have to be hands-on. It's my way or the highway. It's a, I don't care fine. what color it is, just not that one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's fine. So That it, looks and, great, and, but not as good as the one I would have picked. 
Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I think a lot of people that do syndication investing in my experience are like, you know, doctors, dentists, lawyer, right. attorney, athlete, business owner, they're people career focused mm-hmm. that they understand real estate to a point. Right. They don't necessarily want to be the weekend warrior and I'm doing this fix and flip on side of my, my dental right. practice. And it's just too much, right? It's a lot of, it's a big learning curve. It's a lot of risk, a lot of time. So um, it's being, in those categories, I guess. Well, and, uh, and the other to- thing that a lot of people fail to see, Travis, and, and you saw it early on, I think, is, is you know, if you're the plumber, you're limiting mm-hmm. yourself to 28 to $35 an hour, or whatever a plumber makes. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're, if you're on a high level or you're a doctor, or you're an athlete, and your day job is this, and your retirement is housing, is mm-hmm. real estate, then you have to allow somebody else to do it because you can put a property manager in a property for a fee that is fractional compared to your time when you're the one out there getting, being involved in the next deal, in growing the capital. You're making yeah. more than you're paying. And so I see a lot of people make that mistake where they don't see that their time is worth something. You were only working 96 hours a week. You had plenty of time to invest in, <laughs> in fix and flips, right? And yet you <laughs> saw how burning the candle at both ends limited your own ability to continue to just function. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it burned me out on both levels. I was burned yeah. out on real estate and on my career because all in all, it was just too much to handle. Yeah. Yeah. So now you've got a, you've got a, you've got everything in perfect balance. <laughs> Not perfect balance, but I'll, I'll tell you this though about <clears throat> to me anyway, I didn't enjoy the oil field job either. It was really, it was a high paying opportunity where I could kind of live below my means, you know, make a decent salary and put that into real estate as I came to find that I now could have enough passive income through my investments to offset the need for a job like that, I took that opportunity without fully knowing what I was going to do or pursue. The point being, I found things more meaningful to me. I found things I was more passionate about. I found opportunities I wanted to grow from. I worked for a brokerage firm for a while. I worked for a couple syndication groups. And this is the whole thing with the with Ashcroft Capital and being investor relations with them is I, I, I chose to do that, not because of income and pay. I chose to do that because I get to talk to other investors. I get a network. I get to learn from others. I get to be out there at seminars and speaking events and conferences. And that's what I want to do right now right. with my time. That could change in 10 years. It probably will. But for right now, right. that's what I want to do. And this is where I want to be. So that's the point I, I, I guess I could make to your listeners is uh, to your time value and understanding yourself you know, you, you can be able to make these decisions, move to part-time work, switch a career, you know, pivot as, right. as us millennials exactly. say. Exactly. So, <laughs> nicely, nicely used. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that's the point for me anyway. Well, and you know, as you can probably attest when it's what you like to do, yeah, you're so much better at it, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've seen where, you know, People want to, I, I, I think I want to do this, but they don't, they don't really, they're not passionate about it. They're doing it for the same reasons you were doing it. It's a yeah. great paycheck. Right. Yeah. But if yeah. you're unhappy and it, it's not fulfilling uh, mm-hmm. and you're not, you know, it's not, life is not all about money. Money, oh, yeah. money is what we need to, to, to do the things in life, but it, but there's other ways to make it rather than just continuing to beat your head against the wall with something you don't like. What would, 100%, be, yep. what would be your, your 
first piece of advice, if you could go back to Travis in 2009 and say, listen, son, let's have a little chat. What would your first piece of advice be to yourself? That's a great point. Um, I'm very glad that I decided to take action. I was pretty fearful. I was pretty scared. This was a big chunk of money for me at the time. This was a big risk because as we talked about, the economy wasn't in good shape at all. It was like in the worst shape. And so I'm glad I did that. What I would have done differently though, is after kind of making that first step, I would have gone back to a lot more self-education and development. I would have spent probably the next 12 months or so really focused on now that I've kind of got my foot in the door and I'm experimenting with it and I'm learning from it, what is it I really want to do with this? You know, in, in what ways do I really want to build a real estate portfolio? Instead, those first few years, I just, I just jumped into things without the education to back it. Someone would right. just say, hey, have you heard of this Airbnb? No, but uh, I'll try it next month. Right. And it was like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, goofy. So education, again, I kind of. Well, and, and if you were to do that with less tenacity, it could have led to massive failure, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was, and, and I see that a lot of times uh, with people that, you know, are every six months they're starting a new career or they're starting a new something or other. There's, there comes a point when you've got to just knuckle down and power through long enough to see the result because you, especially with real estate, you can't quit after acquisition. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean you're, 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 uh, you're committed at that point to at least see the property through right. to a point where you could either unload it and, and walk away or, or whatever. But, um, you know, Travis, what do you see for your future moving forward? You're, you're, you're in investor relations, you're talking with people, you're talking mm -hmm. deals all the time. Um, what do you what do you see you going in the next fifteen years, just in your personal growth and, and career? Sure, yeah. Um, basically, short short story to that. Short answer is continuing to do things that I'm passionate about and that I love. At the end of the day, knowing that's going to shift and, and change a little bit here and there along the path. But what I love most is being able to be that resource for somebody that's, you know, maybe where I'm at or maybe a few years ago and trying to say, hey, man, you know, I've been learning more about these syndication things and I see you're in several of them. Can you help me out? And I love doing that. I don't charge for that. That's just something I, I like to do in terms of networking. So what I try to do to, to break this down in, in a concept, I try to focus like 30 some percent of my time with like mentors and people above where I'm at, you know, 10, 15 years, um, you know, a, a third of my time kind of at my level, people doing what I'm doing and seeing what's going on in the industry and all that. And then helping others, um, you know, that are on my path, but several years behind. And, and I try to mix it up that way. Um, and I, I fully intend to continue doing that. Also, my wife and I love to uh, travel, so hopefully things are yeah. opening back up. We do a lot of world travel, so uh, that's definitely on the, the radar for the next 10 Where's your next years. trip to? We had to cancel uh, Costa Rica and Bali, so I still want to get there, um, depending on kind of what's opening up and how. Uh, probably those. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. So, you know, Travis, uh, you mentioned mentors, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, again, back to the team sport of syndication, I see that there you know, people are a lot more open in the syndication world, if, if that's really a place, 
that, mm-hmm. that, that they're willing to mentor like yourself. You're looking at it going, Hey, I want to get mentorship. I want to offer mentorship. Yeah. Um, what are some of the best tidbits that a mentor has given you over the years? Yeah. One that comes to mind immediately is uh, double down on what's working. That's a huge one. Right. And so as I was out there experimenting with all this stuff, not everything was working, not everything was that profitable, but there were a few things that, that I kind of found a little groove in. And so, yeah, I wish I would have just kind of doubled down on those, had that mentor a little bit earlier. The other thing that comes to mind is to basically, so everybody has an opinion, <laughs> right. but, but to just find to, Facebook and ask, right. <laughs> to learn to kind of tune out the folks that aren't actually doing what you're wanting to do. In other words, finding that small percentage of folks actually doing what you want to do. They're the career path you want to be on and tuning into those people. These could be people through books. They could be an actual face-to-face mentor. It could be a lot of things or a podcast, but listening you know, wholeheartedly to those folks to learn right. from them and to ignore your neighbor that tells you how to become a billionaire uh, <laughs> based on a CNBC article he read. So right. that's a big lesson too. Right, exactly. Well, and you know, uh, I, I think that that's very important because so often, uh, you know, I've seen people in my life, very well-meaning people, people I have a lot of respect for that have given me terrible advice about something they know little of in an effort to protect me, they don't want to see me get hurt. They don't, they don't have any ill will, but it sure yeah. comes off like, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing that. I, I've heard bad things about this and it, and it's all great intentions, mm-hmm. but you're right. You do have to understand and you do have to pay attention to who you're listening to because not everybody uh, that, that gives you advice uh, has the right to give it to you. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Good lesson learned. So, yep. So going forward, um, you know, when you're, when you're looking at uh, mentorship and things like that, what, what are some of the things that you, that you find are now your switching roles where you were being mentored and you're mentoring? What are some of those areas that you're mentoring in? Sure. Yeah. Um, basically, okay. So when I'm trying to learn something that I see very sophisticated, very, very difficult to comprehend, this is where I'm reaching out to mentors and I'm trying to take a complicated subject or process and simplify it to where I understand it. Where I'm mentoring, if you want to call it that, is just helping people understand what syndications are, who it might be right for, uh, the risks involved in syndications, the uh, you know, the fact that they're not liquid versus say a REIT, but yet they don't have the stock market risk of the ups and downs, the volatility. And, you know, so there's all these pros and cons and ins and outs. And a lot of people have questions around that. And I'm no expert, but I've got now enough personal experience to feel confident sharing what I've learned and, and what I've seen personally. So that's kind of what I share with, with folks on. That's great. So you're, you're able to just kind of convert your, condense your, your, uh, what is it? Your your eleven year real estate career, and uh, just just help people see the value in in what you're doing, and and uh, decide quickly if they want to be involved in that syndication model, or if they want to if they want to go do the BRRR or the fix and flip yeah. or the whatever. 
So yeah, I have calls every week with folks like that, eighteen-year-olds looking to learn about you know house hacking, house hacking. And, <laughs> and and seventy-year-olds that have never heard of syndication that are just curious what that means, you know. So right. everyone in between, and that's where I spend my time. Yeah. Well, and that's great. So where do you find uh, most of your uh, m- most of the people that you're that you're coming mm-hmm. across? How are you How are you locating those people? Yeah, that's a good question. So leading up to COVID and lockdown, I was going to conferences and seminars nationwide, just one after the next, anything multifamily, real estate, you know, industry wide stuff. Um, that's what I was doing. And that's what I intend to get back to as soon as we can. Right. But, uh, you know, everything's gone to online webinars, which takes away the networking component. Uh, so yeah, know. and how do you uh, speaking of online webinars, how how a f- Effective? Do you think those are versus the uh, versus the in person? Well, I think content-wise, they're fine. Uh, if if you're joining a webinar for purposes of I just want to learn what this stuff is, it's the same content. The people are saying the same things they're going to say on stage. But what you're missing is all the networking component of running into folks that yeah, I've invested with these guys and these guys, and you know, and, and then sharing your experience and learning who right. the key players are, and that's huge. I mean, for right. me, that's the biggest part of going to a seminar. So, sure. So you're you're in there to to meet friends and influence people, uh, <laughs> and uh, and and that's really that's really key because I know a lot of people. Uh, and then then the other thing is if you're committed, if you're taking the time away from your family, you're, you're traveling, you're going to this place, you're spending money to do it. You tend to take it a little more seriously than just clicking on a webinar that eh, halfway through it, you're making a pizza in the back. You know, you're just not, (laughs) not paying attention. Right. That's true too. There's a lot to being immersed into the environment, you know, and, and for anyone that's been to like a Tony Robbins event, you know, same thing, he's got audio books and paper books and that's cool. But if you go to an event, so much more interactive, so much more personal. Kind of comes down to you get what you pay for. The book was 1995 and going (laughs) to one of his conferences is $1,995, but the results are tenfold or a hundredfold. There you go. Great, great analogy. Love it. Yep. So any, any uh, good books we need to be reading? What's, what's, in your, what's on your nightstand to be reading? Right now, I'm reading The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. Came out a few weeks ago, um, Praxis Capital. So uh, that's a good book for anyone just kind of wanting to know. Just It's more of kind of a basic book. Um, Joe Fairless with Ashcroft, he has the best ever apartment syndication book. That's right. also a tremendous resource. Um, so those are two that pertain to things we're talking about in, in this industry, whether you want to be passive or active. There's some great content in both those books. Great. Well, Travis, as we wrap up, tell us how can we find you? Me? Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> a lot of ways to connect with me. Email is uh, Travis at AshcroftCapital.com. Uh, you can go to AshcroftCapital.com forward slash connect with Travis. And that's where you can set up a 15 minute phone call. Happy mm-hmm. to just share and connect. And uh, I'm on Bigger Pockets, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. So definitely connect and reach out. Love to uh, you know, be a resource if I can in any way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Travis Watts, everybody, thanks for joining us on the, on the Real Estate Rundown, Travis. We sure appreciate you stopping by. We look forward to talking with you again soon.